And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's Thursday, the 13th of April. And obviously, we've all been away for a nice uh, Easter break. And we've been away actually for a fortnight um, because I was down in Cornwall, working from Cornwall and on various courses, very important courses. But I think one of those courses you've been on, Phil. Uh, I, have, I have, Andrew. And I think we are referring to Travaux's golf course. We are. Uh, the weather was amazing. The course was in great shape. I actually also went to Celtic Manor Golf Course. I also went to Merlin Golf Course. I was on all sorts of different golf courses. But I was also playing with clients and actually also interesting enough playing with my son, who is a fund manager and manages a fund with about three billion of assets in the, um, I think most people know, the Schroeder Global Energy Transition Fund. Um, so he's actually really rather smart in the whole thing, but he's a very smart fund manager, full stop. Um, and actually, I'll one of the things I was discussing with him as we went around the golf course, it's a slightly weird conversation, but I'll ask you the same question to a certain extent, is that um, can you have communist AI or has it got to be democratic? Because basically, you think about AI, you know, yes, you can restrict to a certain extent the parameters at the moment. And so you could have a Great Wall of China type internet restriction on your AI. But if AI is genuine AI, it teaches itself. And surely it will teach itself that there are things outside of where it's being blocked and want to learn about it. And therefore, it will be very difficult to restrict it. AI, surely by definition, has to therefore have knowledge of everything eventually and be able to make up its own mind, which is sort of democracy, isn't it? Good grief. That's a, that's, a, that's a big question, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, but if you somehow firewall around where it can learn from, maybe, but you're right. It, you know, it, it has to, yeah, freedom of thinking is ultimately behind it. But that, yeah, that was sort of tech and yeah. philosophy wasn't it uh, very much well very much so we'd be intrigued to hear our, uh, our listeners inputs on that one that's a very that's a very big question yeah well there you go anybody listening if you want to give me that your thoughts on that can uh, artificial intelligence be programmed and remain a communist program has it got to be a democratic one that's obviously a very sweeping statement but uh, i think most people would understand what i'm alluding to Anyway, let's uh, move on to this market, which uh, there's still a lot of people away. Uh, volumes are still quite quiet. Market have been pretty flat this week. Um, obviously, it's, it's a short week anyway. but uh, so short, this could be quite a short podcast. Um, but let's think about things we want to talk about. Actually, let's start with one of my, my favourites. It's got to be one of my favourites. Um, but obviously, we had Infinity Energy Systems uh, yesterday announced the uh, winning of the Lodes contract, uh, which is a UK government funded scheme, and they're going to build a 30 megawatt uh, battery in the UK and got an 11 million pound grant funding for it. Um, people know my views. What are, you, what are your views on that, uh, Phil? Well, I think the first instance, it's good to see that uh, the UK government is actually backing long duration energy storage, which is, you know, essential for maintaining grid stability as we move on to more renewable generation. So that's a, a very much a positive and it's obviously very good for Infinity that it's one uh it's one of three that have been involved in this competition and, and won. 
as a solution. And it's a big project for them. Uh, the scale of it, I think it's one of the biggest that they've they've done. Uh, the 11 million funding is match funding as well. So that means that they will have a, you know, they've got a project partner they've already identified who will be matching the funding for this. So, uh, yeah, very exciting, uh, yeah, very exciting project for them. Uh, good. Glad I, think it's exciting. I think it's exciting. The price has reacted a little bit, not as much as it should have done in my view, but there you go. That's the way it is. Um, say lovey. Uh, okay, um, well, that's Infinity. What would you like to talk about, Phil? Well, we carry on on the theme of, of transitional energy, renewables, um, impacts asset management, another you know, big fund in the sector, the ticker's IPX, uh, billion market cap, um, and they, uh, impacts, uh, reported uh, quarterly results. Uh, this is a fund, uh, their assets under management now total 40.1 billion. And they're up by 5.7% for the quarter. And they had net inflows into their fund of 326 million. So, you know, money coming into the into the sector. Uh, and they report a solid quarter of growth despite challenging macroeconomic and inflationary market conditions. Um, and they have said that they have a positive net net flows into the, the fund as advisors are attracted to their focus on opportunities arising from the transition to a more sustainable economy. There you go. So that was a good set of results for impacts asset management. Did you also see Foresight today? They had a trading update. Uh, no, I didn't see that one. I just saw so the headline. For, what did it say? Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, Foresight's not so dissimilar. It's, it's a, yeah. a sort of VC type fund, but involved in the whole sort of transition energy space. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they uh, their trading update was, as they put it, strengthening previous guidance. Um, so they've just increased where the guidance was. So things clearly going very, very well there um, for the funds involved in this space. Um, perhaps we're not seeing the movement so much in the underlying equities that are listed on the stock market. But there we go. Um, I also noticed one of your favourites actually today. I'm sure you were going to talk about this anyway. It's going to bring it up now. Um, you've always uh, been very positive on Oxford Instruments, and they had a trading up as well, trading update as well. Um, yeah, they did. This is yeah, oh, it's a super. I think this is a really good company, um, and one I you know used to formally follow. OXIG is the ticket. I think it's about. I've not got it on screen, Andrew. Is it about one point seven billion market cap? Something oh, like right. yeah, something like that. Um, and I mean, the company is um, you, you know develops and produces scientific instrumentation, um, X-ray technology, scan electron microscope um, technology. Uh, you know, they, they've got um, talk specialist tools that are used for atomic force microscopy. I mean, basically, their instrumentations at the heart of development of nanotechnologies, pharmaceuticals, specialist materials, you know, Really advanced engineering and materials is where they're exposed in terms of markets. So R&D are big markets uh, for them. But they have said um, they had a trading update um, and they have said, and I'll just read some of their comments. I mean, it's generally this is all very positive. Um, and they said that they've seen good growth in a number of in markets, including life sciences, compound semiconductors, advanced materials, and quantum technology. 
Um, and they've, they've commented on their operating margins broadly flat, and this is despite cost inflation, so they're holding their holding their margins. And they've said, given our strong revenue growth, supported by current tailwind, expect adjusted operating profits for year ended uh, March 23 to be ahead of previous expectations. Now, if you look at a share price chart for Oxford Instruments, go back to May 11th, 2016, the share price was 642p. At that time, Ian Berkshire, the chief executive, uh, was was appointed chief executive to the company. And he'd been, he's announced, it's announced today that he's retiring. He's been with the company for more than 25 years. So share price of 642p when he was appointed in 2016. Uh, and in that year, the revenue of 360 million, 61 million, operate margin of 11.4%, net debt of 128 million pounds. Now, at the first half results to September 22, the revenue was 200 million for the first half, operate margin 18.4%, 11.4% when the guy joins, net cash 97 million pounds, share price on screen now is around uh, 25 point eight, so it's 2580 pence, was 642 when he was appointed. How's that for an achievement? It's bloody good, actually. Market cap is actually 1.4 billion. Actually, yeah. if you just gone and bought this back in the middle of October last year, so less than six months away, well, about six months away, you could have bought it at £17. And as you just pointed out today, it's not just shy of £26. So it's actually short term, had a terrific run, probably because you've been pushing it on this podcast, Phil. Well, thank you very much. Now, I also yeah. see, Andrew, that they are replacing Ian Barcher with Richard Tyson. Who was the chief executive of TT Electronics? He was appointed there in July of 2014, um, and so you, you know their their share price uh, was 209p when he was appointed, and nine years later it's around two quid. Um, but the company has changed shape. Uh, he's loads of he's a lot of experience in advanced engineering, so um, he is picking up. Um, he's got a tough task to beat. Ian Berkshire's achievements, but uh, I do hope he looks after that company very, very well and wish him all the best. Yeah, fingers crossed for him. And actually, by the way, in general, we've had quite a lot of this week uh, trading updates and pre-closed trading updates and all that sort of stuff. One or two of them, not necessarily in this space, like Delarue, were pretty horrible. Uh, we're not using any cash anymore, are we? Uh, but in general, they've all been actually pretty positive. Um, uh, so the UK market, the UK economy, maybe isn't quite as bad as all these um, commentators love to suggest. Yeah, I'm with you there, particularly the IMF, who seem to be always either forecast or behind or whatever, but uh, not uh, doing the UK any favours in terms of their prognosis. Sorry, Phil, when has the IMF ever got a forecast right? <laughs> it never has. <laughs> hey, well, at least... <laughs> Please are not forecasting my finances, that's all I can say. <laughs> anyway, um, continuing on the theme, uh, let's just have a look. The Gresham House Energy Storage Fund, uh, we had some results out from them as well. Uh, and they had, uh, so what have we got here? Results ending uh, December 22. 
Um, and they saw their, uh, I think EBITDA was up by 20, like 23%, 48 million. Uh, but I mean, this is big, they've got a lot of big energy storage, battery assets in the grid, and they've been benefiting from, you know, frequency response services, and there's been high price in that area as well. Uh, and the fund increased its NAV um, by 33% to uh, 155p. So it's a pretty decent set of results from from them. Um, just in terms of other things that caught my eye, uh, did, did you see? I think this is this is on the UK economy. Um, I'm a bit off. This is in the retail sector. Uh, I saw Mark's Electrical Group. Come yeah, they, they're they're beating expectations, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's consumer electronics. So uh, yeah. tumble dryers, washing machines, yeah, air fryers, etc. Also, Sosander. Never know how. Yeah, Sosander. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a good one. That was a good one. That's in e-commerce and in clothing. So that was all pretty, uh, pretty positive. And on the wider uh, sort of markets and for luxury brands, I saw that LVMH came out with a very good set of numbers. I mean, they own Dior, Louis Vuitton, Bulgari. Uh, revenues of 21.4 billion for the quarter, up 17%. Stronger growth in China as pandemic restrictions lifted. So well, was, on that note, we probably, I think we were all reading over sort of Easter break about you know the richest people in the world. And of course, it was the luxury brands and the brands people in France that seem to be overtaking the tech guys in the States and becoming the richest people in the world. So, um, you know, there is a lot of money to be had in brands, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not an easy space because, of course, the little brands that haven't really grown actually aren't worth a lot at all. The big, big brands go for like five to ten times revenue, which you could argue is crazy. But there's a massive differential. Now, if you can take, obviously, a little brand and make it big, you're absolutely laughing. Um, now, we have a couple of clients in Oz. We have Silverwood Brands. Uh, they're obviously, it's run by Andrew Gerry, who was the former CEO of Lush. And obviously, they own a 20% stake in, or so, roughly, in Lush. They do effectively own it. As a, as a, a, it's like having your, your stock in a nominee name. So there's a little bit of market news about that, that it's not 100% owned. Actually, most of us don't own our shares at all. We all haven't been nominee. I know theoretically I don't own a single share. They're all in Canical Genuity Wealth Management nominee name. Uh, so it's not an issue. Uh, but there, obviously, Andrew Gary is trying to build a sort of a, a new L'Oreal type company. And then, of course, as you pointed out, a lot of these brands are being uh, having a good time because of China. Uh, and our client, uh, Slamacand, uh, who we're doing a roadshow show for next week and doing a webinar. Uh, I think we will find the story coming out of them is that, yes, they are seeing a pickup in China as well, and their business is starting to perk up rather nicely. Um, so two of our, our corporate stocks, Silverwood and Samarkand, uh, if you are into brands, worth looking at. Yep, there, yeah, there we go. So, but, but nice to see just generally, it seems to be, Andrew, positive news, I think, over the last week. In terms of in terms of markets, so may that continue? Yeah, and I mean, you know, it is going to be a short podcast because it was easy to break. But I mean, it's just going on to that point again. You know, the tech sector has been smacked very hard, of course, uh, in the last what is it, eighteen months or so, isn't it? That's when it all started changing. Um, and you know, 
we know from experience that markets rotate and that it tends to overdo things in both directions. Markets always overbuy things and you have a boom and they always have a oversell things and you have a crash. And I would suggest that probably technology, we're now at the bottom of that sort of crash and it's been oversold um, because tech hasn't gone away at all. In fact, tech is still basically growing. Um, there's sort of nothing wrong with it. It's just the market decided to derate all of these things. So, um, you know, it's always difficult to know where the bottom is. I always feel in a lot of tech, buying one of the big tech, um, I mean, that funds basically, but companies like a, an IP group or these sort of things. IP is one that I just happen to know quite well, but there are quite a few of them out there. And we've talked about them quite a lot on this podcast. Probably you know, they are now looking pretty cheap. They ha- they've all come down a long way. They've had to mark down their unlisted investments. But I suspect we're at the bottom there, and I would be a buyer of those sort of groups. Well, <laughs> look, I, I think, that's, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair opinion. And looking at the wider sector, there have been specific areas as, as well that did very, very well in COVID and have come off since, you know, they had quite a boom, you know, things like cloud services, consumer electronics in terms of PCs, and, you know, and they've been, they, they've been hit, but they've had an extraordinary run, whereas there are a lot of other areas of technology that weren't, you know, weren't exposed to that big, big uplift, uh, and they're carrying on growing. So, uh, yeah, good, great time to be looking at the sector. Yeah, I mean, it's like the markets always overcook and then overhit. It's a, a lesson that we should all learn and remember. Uh, not easy, but, you know, a few grey hairs teach you that. Right, anything else or should we just make this one of our shortest podcasts ever? <laughs> I think it's going to have to be one of our shortest podcasts ever. At least next week we'll have a full week of news. Uh, that is correct. Okay, uh, so finally, obviously, as, as we've said, if anybody's got any comments on our views, particularly on what I was talking about in, in artificial intelligence, uh, or anybody wants us to talk about any particular stock, uh, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, of course, if anybody wants to sponsor us and pay us lots and lots of money to do so, we'd be more than happy. But that is a bit of a joke. Very good. Uh, we will be back next week. Excellent. Look forward to talking to chatting to you then, Andrew.